0: In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is The Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Thursday, April 29th, which means we are still in the middle of World Immunization Week. And to celebrate, I've decided to get vaccines that I've never tried before. Come at me, feline AIDS. This time, I'm ready. Meow. Anyway, Coming up on tonight's show, President Biden delivers the most exciting address to Congress. We go for a meal at Costco, and Roy Wood Jr. goes mental for menthols. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
3: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. All
2: right, let's kick things off with the coronavirus pandemic. It's the thing your brain is preparing to store as a repressed memory. With more and more Americans getting vaccinated, the country is starting to look ahead to a new normal. New York City now plans to fully reopen at the beginning of July, and cruise ships will now be able to reopen in the middle of July, which means the COVID pandemic will reopen at the end of July. We're doing this, people. We're doing it. But maybe the biggest sign that things are finally getting back to normal is the return of every freeloader's favorite way to snack?
3: Costco is promising to bring back two popular features that were stopped during the pandemic. The big box retailer has the food court, and free samples will return as long as state regulations allow Costco says food courts could reopen with outdoor seating, and samples will likely be offered in to go bags for customers to take outside huh. of the store.
4: I'm sorry, guys. It's just.
2: I never thought this day would come. I mean, yeah, I missed hugging my grandma or whatever, but the thing I really missed during Corona was those tiny free empanadas. (laughs) You know what's really great about this new world? Is because now we own so many face masks, you can just keep getting samples. All you gotta do is put on a different mask and then come back around. No, it's not me, I'm another guy. Now, because the pandemic is still going on, things aren't gonna be exactly the same, all right? They're gonna be giving people free samples to go to eat outside the store. Which is different and personally I think amazing. Because sometimes it's too much pressure when the free sample person is watching me eat. Oh, mmm, wow. That's delicious. It's a bold, tangy flavor. Mmm, that is so fantastic. What, what what are these again? Uh you just ate one of the used toothpicks. Mmm. Mm, and, and I mean, best toothpick I've ever eaten. I mean, I might buy a box. Now, if you don't shop at Costco, uh, first of all, where do you buy your six pack Honda Civics? And secondly, you gotta understand how important free samples are to the Costco experience. If you're gonna buy a 10 year supplier of kimchi, you need to know what you're signing up for. Look, the truth is people love free samples. I don't care who you are. You love free samples. In fact, that's how they should convince MAGA people to get their shots. Don't call it a vaccine. You call it a free sample of the vaccine. Well, I heard it has a microchip that'll make my brain bisexual, but I love free samples. So why don't you give me a little bit of that Pfizer and maybe a bit of J&J after that. But let's move on to cigarettes. They're the things that Matt Gates has to buy for his girlfriends. It has been more than a decade since the US banned cigarettes with flavors that help make them more appealing, especially to kids. But the most popular flavor got a special exemption, and that may be about to change.
5: Today might
4: mark the beginning of the end of menthol cigarettes in this country, because just in the last couple of minutes, the FDA is announcing it's working on a proposal to ban them within the next year, along with all flavored cigars. And they've been disproportionately harmful for members of the black community for decades. Menthol cigarettes have been marketed aggressively to black Americans. More than 85% of black smokers use menthol cigarettes. The FDA's expected plan to ban menthol in cigarettes would be a victory for advocates who note the tobacco industry has targeted the black community with
5: for decades.
6: It's making menthols cheaper in black communities, more price discounts in black communities, uh, strategic partnerships with black-led organizations, the cool jazz festival, really a variety of ways to really focus on transforming menthol into a black cigarette.
2: That's right. America is about to ban menthol cigarettes. And honestly, I'm all for it partly because tobacco companies have an ugly history of targeting menthols to black communities, but also, just speaking for myself, I hate smelling that shit. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Whenever I hang around someone who smokes menthols, it smells like they were just fighting a fire at a Mentos factory. Pick a smell, man. But whether you're for this thing or against it, you gotta admit it's gonna send ripples through the black community in America. And so to get some perspective on that ripple, We're joined by my good man, Roy Wood
5: Jr. What's going on, Roy? What's up, man? What do you think about this menthols, man? It's amazing, right? No, I tell you what I think. I think Joe Biden crazy. Kamala better talk to his ass. Look, Trevor, you can't do this to black people. It's gonna be another insurrection. Menthol smoker's gonna storm the Capitol over this, man. Now, it's gonna be a little slower because they're gonna have to stop to catch their breath. They're gonna be wheezing everywhere. But still, man, damn. Say right. What do you mean, it ain't right? What, like... I don't get this, Roy. What is it about menthols that brings out so much passion? Because, Trevor, menthols is the seasoning. You can't have black people smoking unseasoned cigarettes. Hell, menthols are the only reason my grandma can cook while she's smoking. That ash never fall off the damn thing. She switched brands, ash falling. in, now we all tasting ash. Also, this other thing, see, you Africans, I gotta set y'all straight. See, menthols ain't just about flavor. They were a sign of wisdom. How am I supposed to know if a man can fix a car if he ain't got a menthol hanging out his mouth?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I get that it's going to be a change, but at the end of the day, smoking
5: menthols is unhealthy. Okay, but why is it that black people don't get their unhealthy thing? Why not ban them stupid-ass clove cigarettes white men be smoking that smell like feet? What about that? What about them long-ass Cruella DeVille shits? I don't see them banning that. What about chewing tobacco? This was crazy. I can I can pop all this in my mouth. All this in my mouth. This is legal, but menthols ain't? This is Ray Fizzle. Whoa,
2: Roy, Roy. I don't know about that, man. I mean, this ban has a lot of support in the black community. They were pushing it.
5: Yeah, well, the black community is full of haters. And by the way, if the government wants to ban menthols to help our breathing, you know what would help us with that is banning knees to the neck. Too bad knees ain't menthol. Maybe then we get some legislation. Man, I ain't got time to talk to your ass, dude. I got to call these stores, get these menthols while they're still in stock. Finna buy out every store,
2: Roy. Roy, you can't be going out and smoking a bunch of cigarettes
5: now. That's crazy. I'm not going out and smoking the cigarettes, dog. I'm finna go and stock up on menthols. You know how badly my uncle's gonna be fiending for menthols once they off the market. This is about to be the new Bitcoin. Man, I'm gone. Let me get this bread, Uncle Derek. Roy, can you get me some? I don't. I don't want to miss the next Bitcoin, Roy. No, you're a hater. I don't deal with haters. Good day. Uncle Derek, what's up? All right, let's move on to our main story. Today marks
2: the end of President Joe Biden's first 100 days in office, which is the period where every president tries to get their big things done. You know, FDR introduced the New Deal, Ronald Reagan rolled back the welfare state, and Bill Clinton installed that stripper pole in the Situation Room. And to celebrate the occasion, last night Joe Biden delivered his first address to Congress, yes, for hundreds of years. Joe Biden has sat and watched other presidents give speeches to Congress, but now it was his turn. And of course, thanks to COVID, things looked a little different than usual last night. Instead of a full chamber, they just had a few people scattered around and looked like the lights just came on in a porno theater. But still, the big names showed up. Chuck Schumer was there, ready to trip any insurrectionists that broke in. The second dude was in attendance, signaling a runner to steal second base, I think. And in a historic moment, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi became the first all-female duo ever to get front row seats to a president's ball spot. But of course, the star of the night was President Joseph Roku Biden, who used the night to present America with a very ambitious
7: agenda. America's moving, moving forward, but we can't stop now. Let's raise the minimum wage to $15. Let's lower deductibles for working families on the Affordable Care and Affordable Care Act. And let's lower prescription drug costs. Four additional years of public education for every person in America. Access to quality, affordable child care. Rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve. The country supports immigration reform. We should act. Replacing 100% of the nation's lead pipes and service lines. We need a ban on assault weapons and high capacity magazines. With the plans outlined tonight, we have a real chance to root out systemic racism that plagues America. Let's end cancer as we know it. It's within our power. It's within our power to do it. Wow. Ending racism
2: and cancer. Biden is dreaming big. I mean, I half expected him to go, you know what, F- it. We're going to Mars right now. Get in, get in the rocket, everyone. There's a rocket outside. Everyone, we're going to Mars right now. And by the way, for someone who people think of as a moderate, this agenda was hella progressive. Free college, free childcare. I mean, you'd think that Bernie was just off screen, you know, with these fists like, don't you dare forget about student debt, Joe Biden, or I'm gonna shove 99% of this fist up your ass. But I guess, this is the energy that people always bring to a new job. You know, Joe Biden's got that new job enthusiasm, which always fades over time. You know, and right now he's like, I'm changing everything. And like a year or so from now, his top priority, top priority is gonna be angling his computer monitor so no one can see he's watching Outlander. Now, of course, Biden will only be able to get any of this done if he can win over the country. But if the only people he needs to persuade are liberals on CNN and MSNBC, well then my friends, he's got this thing in the bag. Every single sentence
3: had a very clear point to it. It And every line of it had that
1: Biden humility in it. It was bracing to hear a speech delivered at times by a whisper. His use of voice modulation was rather extraordinary. It was amazing to be able to have a conversational tone
0: Almost as if he were channeling a FDR fireside chat.
6: It was really beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. It is so personal and so intimate. And his voice, that kind
2: of grandfatherly, whispery voice. Wow. Okay. I like how the news went from, we got to hold those in power accountable, to, oh, he's just like my grandpa. I love him so much. Also, Grandfathers are not really known for whispering that they're gonna end systemic racism. In fact, usually grandfathers are whispering, I think the bus driver is a Puerto Rican. Unfortunately for Joe Biden, the entire country is not made up of liberal pundits. There are also conservatives, and they were just a little less excited
4: It was an odd speech other than someone who believes deeply that a socialist vision of America, a big government vision of America is what the American
1: people want. Joe Biden scared the hell out of me tonight. He looked weak as commander in chief and he embraced socialism.
4: The words of this speech sounded like what you would hear from a 15 year old if you gave him a credit card with no credit limit on it,
6: except the words came out of the mouth of an adult who should know better. Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn tweeted. You know who else liked universal daycare? With a link to a 1974 newspaper article about daycare in the Soviet Union. Okay, people,
2: even if Stalin gave people free daycare, that is not what made him Stalin, all right? No one who ever suffered through his regime was like, the famine and the gulags, they were bad enough. But he also gave out toys to kids. That was the worst. And at this point, We always know that no matter what Democrats suggest, Republicans are gonna say a socialist. This has become a game now. Everything they do is socialist. Every socialist, 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 socialist. But ironically, it's never socialism when Republicans wanna give money to big oil companies or help farmers in the Midwest. No, that's not socialism. These politicians are like sports fans now. You know, it's always a foul when it's the other team. That's a foul! Come on, ref, that's a foul. He did the, did you see how he looked at him? That's a foul. Come on, ref, do something. Uh, Dude, your guy just shot the opponent. Hey, you know what, buddy? It's a contact sport, man up. So look, it's not surprising that conservatives are unhappy with Biden's progressive proposals, but but that wasn't their only complaints. No, Biden's speech didn't just make them angry. It also made them tired
6: boy that was a dull
3: lifeless boring speech it's like he's a corpse i mean you can't you can't it's unwatchable it was so boring i just wanted to you know where there's original watching
1: this thing go to sleep
0: it was one of the most dull speeches that i've ever seen
1: republican leader in the house that would be mr mccarthy of california this whole thing could have just been an email
0: and then of course we get shots of ted cruz sleeping in the audience Mm.
2: you see that Ted Cruz was so bored at that speech that he fell asleep. And I know what you're thinking right now. You think I'm gonna say something like, oh, that's weird. I thought lizards slept with their eyes open. But I'm not gonna say that. Because honestly, that was the most relatable thing that Ted Cruz has ever done. Because that speech was boring. And when you consider that almost none of Biden's goals are actually gonna get past Congress, I mean, we basically just listened to an old man talk for an hour about his dreams, but also, A policy speech is just a set of directions for where the president wants to take the country. And in a way, directions are supposed to be boring. I mean, you don't want Google Maps like, you know what would be crazy? Is if you drove into that lake. Do it, bitch, do it now, just do it. Just drive into the lake, dude. In fact, if it were up to me, these wouldn't even be speeches. You just print it out, let the people read it. I mean, when did we decide that you can only judge a policy proposal based on how entertaining the performance of it is? Although I'll bet that even if it was printed, the haters would just bitch about the font. Oh, really? Times New Roman? And he didn't even use one emoji, worst address ever. But until then, we can't have people falling asleep in the middle of Biden's speeches. And it's safe to say that Biden's not gonna get any more energy anytime soon. So maybe, just maybe,
7: all he needs is someone to hype him up. Independent experts estimate the American Jobs family ad millions of jobs, and trillions of dollars to economic growth in the years to come.
2: Oh yeah, give it up for that economic growth, people! You know with GDP? Yeah, you know me! Ha <laughs> ha!
1: Hit him with another one, Joe!
7: This is the largest jobs plan since World War II. Creates jobs to upgrade our transportation infrastructure. <laughs> That's right, it's infrastructure time, people! The roof, the roof!
2: The roof is on fire, which means we got to build another roof with sustainable materials and maybe use some solar panels, y'all. That's what we're doing, right, Joe?
7: America will stand up to unfair trade practices and undercut American workers and American industries like subsidies from state-to-state-owned operations and enterprises and the theft of American technology and intellectual property.
2: ha <laughs> Yeah! Yeah! What Whatever he said. Yo, man, I'm sorry, Joe, man. I'm trying, man, but this is, you know, the energy, and I don't have my menthols right now. You got to loose? This is, I'm sorry, man. I tried, Joe. I tried. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono, and George Lopez is still coming up on the show, so don't go away.
6: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop. Like Detective Louis Scarcella, putting
1: bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of sh**. Derek Hamilton was put away for
6: murder
5: by Detective
6: Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
5: And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
6: Derek. And other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
1: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. It's Garcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves.
6: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
1: AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. My first guest tonight is Senator Hirono of Hawaii. She's here to share stories from her new memoir and discuss how her work in Congress is fueled by her own journey as an immigrant. Senator Hirono, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you, it's good to be with you, Trevor. You are what many people would term a trailblazer because no matter what you're doing in life, it is oftentimes referred to as a first. You're often a first in a position, whether it's the first woman assuming that position or the first Asian American assuming that position. You are oftentimes breaking down barriers, whether it's in the House of Representatives or as a Lieutenant Governor or now as the Senator of Hawaii. What does it feel like to constantly be breaking new ground and not having people to look for to inspire you? Or do you find people who are not in your career to inspire you to do these things?
8: Oh, yes, there there are a lot of people. My mother is the main inspiration because uh, she was a courageous risk-taker who completely changed my life by bringing me to this country. Not very many people can point to one person who did that. And so uh, I have her to look, look to for so much of what I do and how I do it.
2: You wrote a beautiful book about your story, how your mother brought you here and basically fought to set up a life for yourself. Um, and your family, did you know from the onset that this was going to be a book about your mother and her journey, or, or were you surprised as you were writing it about how much she did to set you up to have the life that you have today?
8: Oh, I've known for a long time that uh, this is a book that I would dedicate to her, and that is why I wrote it, because she had suffered two strokes, wasn't able to tell her story, and I, I just thought she was such an extraordinary person that I wanted to do this to dedicate to her, and I did.
2: You know, when I when I first got to America, one of the things I knew about Hawaii was that every, they, everyone was just chill. And I remember when I went to Hawaii, I was like, "This is one of the most chilled, amazing places I've ever been." You Pretty laid like, back. Yeah, the, like even the like even the weatherman is wearing like you know, he's got like a Hawaiian shirt. He's very much like ah, oh, the weather. It's always the weather. It's good times. You know, it's just got that feeling. But, but don't worry, we can still think and wear casual clothes. That- oh, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm in team Hawaii now. I mean, like, oh, there I, you I'm, go. I'm making my shirt and a hoodie. You I know? see that. I but, but I think a lot of people would be proud to say that, yes, Hawaiians are chilled, but Hawaii also has one of the most fierce senators who is willing to fight for people's rights that she believes in. There, w- there were a few issues that I would love to talk to you about that I feel like are really complicated and you have a nuanced view on. One of those issues was in um, in a measure that Ted Cruz brought forward. And I mean, I know Ted Cruz is always trying to troll people. We're well aware of that on the show. Good word. Um, but but what, what he did was very slick in trying to harness the feeling that many Asian American communities feel in that they feel like they're being excluded from going to universities because universities have certain quotas or systems that they use to infuse um, diversity into the school. All the Democrats voted against it. Ted Cruz was like, you see, they don't like Asians. They, the, the, the Democrats just wanna do this for some minorities and not others. You said this was a cynical attempt by Ted Cruz to try and create really a fight amongst people. Talk me through that initiative and what you think colleges and universities can do to be as inclusive as possible whilst not making other people feel like they're not in or in because of the color of their skin.
8: I said discrimination
2: on the basis of race
8: for, in emissions policy is already illegal. I know that there's a bunch of Yale Asian law students who got uh, the uh, Trump administration to uh, follow uh, to file a lawsuit or something. And, and so this is not pitting one group of minorities against another. For Ted Cruz to use that uh, example as somehow he's standing with the Asian American. Pacific Islanders is such BS, you know? So uh, this is, th- that's Ted. And in fact, just today we had another markup in the judiciary committee. I had a very simple bill uh, that would just you know, collect more information about who gets patents in our countries because women, minorities do not, we need to get the data and he tried to change uh, He tried to put in an amendment and he says to me, I don't know why you don't like my amendment. Are you saying that it's burdensome? I said, it's not necessary. I said, there's a difference. He didn't say anything after that. But this is... uh, Look, let's just be clear on what it is that we want this bill to do. And and his amendment was a distraction. He does that all the time. I'm glad that he, at the end, voted for the bill, 94 to 1. And there was one outlier Republican, which is saying a lot for the Republicans, who didn't vote for it. And the less said about that guy, the better.
2: You have to work with these people and... You know, the Democrats have a slim majority to work with. Do the Democrats have an idea of how to actually get things done if it's really just always going to be split down the middle, nobody moves?
8: Mitch McConnell's goal in life is to retake the Senate, which means that he's not going to be uh, trying to help Joe Biden achieve his big programs that help Americans. And he's not about to help all the Senate Democrats achieve our goals either. So we start with that proposition, which means that we're not going to get a lot done unless we face up to the need for filibuster reform. I would like to get rid of filibuster, or we're going to have to use some of the process like reconciliation to pass some of these really big bills that are needed.
2: Previously, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like in the past, you were one of the Democrats who said the filibuster needed to be protected. You know, yes. you know a lot of Democrats said the filibuster needs to be protected so that the minority always has a say in, in which laws are being passed. Do you not worry about the inconsistency in that message or is there something that people may be missing?
8: Oh, you know what? Consistency is the hob- goblin of little minds. So I've learned watching Mitrocon over the last four years He hardly ever gave the Democrats much chance to exercise our uh, 60 votes, uh, to deny him the 60 votes, because he would rarely put out any substantive legislation in his uh, busyness to get as many ideologically oriented people onto the courts for lifetime appointments or passing the 1.5 trillion in tax cuts. You think that, well, the filibuster protects minority voices, but notice we were in the minority for four years and we basically got shafted at every turn. So I learned from that. And uh, also that the filibuster is a vestige of uh, the Jim Crow days. And so uh, we need to move on away from this rule that's not even anything that is in law or in the Constitution. Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an honest uh, take to have. And, and I think a, a wonderful note to end on is a lawmaker in America saying, hey, look, I'm willing to change my mind as time progresses. Senator Hirono, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And uh, good my luck. Pleasure. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. Don't forget, Senator Hirono's memoir, Heart of Fire, An Immigrant Daughter's Story, is available right now. All right, when we come back, the hilarious George Lopez will be joining us on the show. You don't want to miss it.
6: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop, like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting
1: bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's
0: one version.
6: This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
5: And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
6: Derek and other convicted murderers. Started a law firm behind
1: bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. It's Garcella. We gotta show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves.
6: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
1: AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show.
2: My second guest tonight is comedian and actor George Lopez. He's here to talk about his legendary career, his brand new film, and why the Secret Service knows his name. George Lopez, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Yeah, thank you, brother. Ah, man. Uh, Let's start with the most important part of this interview, this conversation, and I guess life right now. Happy birthday. You just turned 60.
4: You know, Trev, I did, man. And um, if, Anybody thinks that getting older is somehow attractive or if someone says, you know, well, things are just so different now because you've had all these years. So all of a sudden now you can't be seen with anybody that's not my daughter. My daughter's 25. I can't be seen with any (laughs) woman who's in her 20s or 30s or now mid 40s. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's just...
2: We're going to talk about your your new project in a second. Um, Before that, I want to talk about one of your more recent projects that not only got a lot of people talking, but got you into so much trouble that the Secret Service became a part of your life. And it's because of a joke you told on Instagram.
4: You know, I was out to lunch with my dear friend Cedric and his family. Turned the phone on, and it says on Hollywood Unlocked that this country. Iran allegedly had offered a $80 million bounty alleged over our leader. And as a Latino, I just typed in and I said, Hey, we'll do it for half. And the right side is always trying to get me put in prison. And you know, you get the whole go back to Mexico. Right, right, right. 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 But, but they did show up and they were in my house and they didn't use the bathroom. They did not drink anything. They sat on the same side of the couch And then they slid a paper allegedly saying, you know, would you be willing to sign this paper? And I said, uh, what's that? I had my attorney with me and he goes, we're not going to sign that. And uh, they put it back in there and they go, that's a, if you sign that letter, you're giving them the right to look up your medical history and your criminal history and all of your history. And I said, no, no, we're not signing that. And then just like, you know, dainty, they put it back in the briefcase. Okay. Wow. And I said, does anybody ever sign that letter? They go. No, sometimes. No, no. But if you don't think they're listening, they came with like a dossier that thick of all of my posts, all of my Facebook comments, all of my Twitter comments. So if you think that they're not out there watching, they're watching. So he 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 said what I said. He said, "You your comment the reason why you're here. I think you know why we're here because you said, you know, that you would do this for half." And I said, "Listen, man." And he said, "Do you think that's funny?" And I said, you know, when you say it, I don't think it's funny. But <laughs> I, said, I, said, I, I, I said, I looked at it more as an estimate than an actual threat.
2: Comedians, we were always just thinking of the joke. You know what I mean? It's how we process the world, how we process everything we do. It's funny you say that, but, um, but this new project that you're in now might be a departure for a lot of George Lopez fans and admirers. And this movie, Walking With Herb, is an interesting one because this is more dramatic. You know, this is a different movie that where, where you're playing the story of somebody who's lost their faith, and essentially you're God's messenger trying to get them on the right path. Tell me a little bit about this new project and why George Lopez decided, you know what? I'm gonna bring out my acting chops for this one.
4: Well, you know, first of all, everybody thinks that comedians can act. That's number one. And you know, there's some comedians that have had sitcoms and deals made in a sitcom, and they've been fired from their own sitcom that was named after them and replaced by somebody using the same name. So as you go, as you come up and you think, Okay, if you're a fighter and you can only throw a right, a right jab, you're gonna, you can't throw a left. Try to make yourself the best, well-rounded fighter. Right. You can move, you've got a strong right. right, you can duck. And when I realized I couldn't act when I already had my deal for my sitcom, I hired a coach, and she was with me all of those years, and I stayed with her all these years. Man, but, that's amazing. But knowing the fact that people don't give us credit as comedians and think that we can't act, and especially dramatic, that our eyes are always moving around, is that I started to take these little parts, Trevor, that just had a little serious thing. River Runs Red, El Chicano, took No Man's Land here. And then walking with her, Mark Medoff, won the Tony Award, wrote Children of a Lesser God. You, you get to work with Academy Award nominee, Edward James Olmos, Academy Award nominee, Kathleen Quinlan. The fact that I was going into a movie with those type of actors and there's nowhere to hide was the thing that was appealing to me. But I wouldn't have been able to do it, I don't think, if I was already not laying down the tracks for more serious and dramatic parts.
2: Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a really interesting premise and and, and a fantastic story. Like I, I, I remember watching it. And I was going, I was going like, I was like, wait, I was like, George, are you religious, like, or, or are you spiritual as a person? Yeah, you know,
4: I was not very religious growing up. In knowing that Mark Medoff, who who wrote the script, was passing it, he was very sick, had cancer, and he and he was an agnostic, and really wrote it as a what's what lies ahead. Right, was appealing appealing to me to to look at it from a guy who even when he came to see us work looked really bad and he was hanging in there and that we got to finish it and he got to see it before he left. But um, spiritually, I think I lean more toward the Buddhist side than than the Catholic side.
2: You just go with you. You just Zen with everything. You try and work, you know, you just try and keep that peace. Is that what George Lopez is trying to do?
4: I try, not to, I try not to wish anybody any harm. I wish everybody well. And I try not to take anything that anybody would tell me personally. That's me now at 60. 50, 40, 55, not so much. But, you know, I can still throw a mean right when I have to, man. I love
2: that, man. The Buddhist Who Can Throw a Punch. That's your next movie. George Lopez, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Stay safe out there, my friend. And uh, I hope to see you again in the future.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Trevor.
2: Take care. Walking with Herb will be in theaters nationwide on April 30th. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this.
6: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away.
1: There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's
6: one version. This guy is a piece of s***. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
5: And The law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
6: Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
1: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves.
6: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
2: Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, please consider supporting an organization called One Tree Planted. They're a nonprofit charity focused on global reforestation. Just last year, they planted over 10 million trees worldwide to create a healthier climate and protect biodiversity around the globe. If you wanna help them restore forests, create jobs and build communities, then please go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until next time, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're quick enough, Every store has free samples.
3: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
0: In the 90s, New York Detective Louis Garcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then Jailhouse lawyers took game, led by Derek Hamilton. scarsella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden Podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis scarsella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seemed to have it all.
3: We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true.
5: I am just praying to God, this is a sick...
3: From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.
0: This has been a Comedy Central Podcast.